You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we're talking about Todd Phillips' uh, new movie, The Joker. Oh no, it's just called Joker. We're talking about Joker from Todd Phillips. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all there is to say about that. We'll just launch right into the episode here. But first, here's a couple of scenes from the trailer. My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose to bring laughter and joy to the world. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. Welcome back to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where every now and then we talk about Taxi Driver, and today's Taxi Driver is uh, the new Joker movie. It's just called Joker, I think. Yeah, yeah. Joker. Todd Phillips' Joker. Mm -hmm. And Pierre is going to tell you a little bit about this movie. Uh, so the movie's about a guy named Arthur Fleck who recently has been released from an asylum. Uh, he has a condition where he laughs uncontrollably when he's in an awkward situation or an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and then... Basically, the movie is about how his life falls apart um, while also starting a revolution. Yeah. Um, Accidentally. Yeah, kind of. His, his life is falling apart, but it's... I mean, everything goes bad for him, but also it's sort of... Good in a way? It's hard to say. It's, it's weird. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say because, like, objectively, things are going pretty bad for him. But also, like, he comes out of it with a weird sort of happy ending in a way. I mean, for... Yeah, it's hard to say of. what they were going for in this movie. Like, I feel there were lots of messages attempting to be conveyed through it, such yeah. as, like, um, class, there were classism, they were talking about classism and mental illness and mm, kind of corruption and stuff, but and it's also trying to do like a lot of interesting filmmaking techniques. Like Todd Phillips has a, uh, he's he's doing unreliable narrator. Yeah. He's got like a lot of different. He, it's it's a big. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of examples, but like yeah. it's a big character study first. Plot is really all secondary. Well, the, pretty small cast. The, like the thing is that he never really. Because everything bad happens, but in a way, it helps him become better in the end. Yeah, so I think... it was confusing for me, because you would think that all these things, bad things happening to him, like, in these comment, this commentary about society would lead to him doing something like having a shitty life. But in the end, him as the Joker, becoming the Joker, his life was way better, at least from what the movie showed yeah. compared to his life before that. 
at least like he was way happier in that. I noticed that like at the very beginning, so he's got this, uh, you already mentioned it, but he's got this condition where sometimes he'll just laugh uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a card about it too that says, I have a condition that means sometimes I'll laugh uncontrollably even if it's not the way I'm actually feeling or something. Um, and at the very beginning of uh, this movie, every time he laughs, it's like, it's almost like he's crying. He's just doing the wrong thing because it sounds really pained. You look at his face and he's scrunching up like he's in tears, except there's no tears. But then by the end, like, he's laughing because things are actually funny. Like, he he's enjoying what's going on. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, I think his, his illness, where he would laugh uncontrollably, is more due to um, his insecurity about himself. Yeah, it's it's really more just like, he doesn't know how to react in that situ- situation, so he, so he laughs. Yeah. Kind of like, I, like, I don't know if that's a real condition or not, but, you know, like, some people, if they're in an uncomfortable situation, they'll just laugh because to ease the tension or whatever, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's a real medical condition, no. but it's totally a real thing. Yeah, people do do it. But in yeah. this case, it was, like, way Extreme. too much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, at the end of the movie, by the end, he doesn't... Do he get he loses the condition because he's confident in himself and he knows what he wants, I guess, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, this movie's super weird like that. Uh, it's hard to really tell what the message is of this movie. No, that's the thing, it was trying to say so many things, yeah, but it never really, I feel like it kind of just loses its luster in that it doesn't actually try to tackle these problems. So it brings them up, but then just kind of leaves them there. I think, like, to summarize very briefly my thoughts on this movie, and I'll get into like the whole thing. Uh, the everything in front of the camera was really good. Like, it's really nicely shot. Um, the soundtrack choice was great. I hated the score personally, but the soundtrack was great. What? You didn't like the score? Oh my god! It sounds like you're walking into a church in Skyrim in every scene. <laughs> it's always like. Some it's, it's like the low drums and sort of like weird, hopeful. It, it fits, but it's I hate it. It was kind of repetitive. It was I, very repetitive, and it was just like, I don't know, man. Like, the movie should be, to me, the tone of this movie should have been, well, the tone of the movie for a lot of it was like, it was sort of an upbeat tone, but it shouldn't have been, which is fine, like that's the tone I would hope they'd go for, is like, this movie should make you laugh and then make you wonder like why the hell you were laughing. Yeah. And um, the soundtrack totally did that for me because the soundtrack was like old vaudeville tunes that are like sort of upbeat but they're sad and they come at really key moments. But like the score was just this weird melancholy nonsense that did technically fit what was going on on screen, but like it was just, it was repetitive and it definitely put me in the wrong mood. Like in, not in the mood that I thought this movie was going for with like the soundtrack and the events that are actually playing out on screen. Um, but just to continue what I was saying, like the, the um, it looks beautiful. The, uh, the character uh, is, the characters are incredible. Like, um, Particularly Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker is awesome. Like, he carries this movie pretty hard. Really hard. And the, the weakest part of this movie is the writing. And the writing isn't terrible, terrible, but it's not great either. Like, it's clearly a mishmash of a lot of, of at least two Martin Scorsese movies, The King of Comedy and, the, and Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it's very just like cut and paste without a lot of the nuance. Yeah, it, 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 in the end, it feels sort of just like a bland imitation. You know? Yeah, and that's my, that's probably my biggest problem with that with this movie is that like everything is. <sighs> What was the thing we were talking about last week? The Prestige. This reminded me a lot of The Prestige, where, like, if Martin Scorsese is Christian Bale in The Prestige, he's the one that creates, who, like, makes interesting movies, and they're super cool, and there's a reason we look up to him as a master filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And then Todd Phillips is Hugh Jackman in this case, where he's taking all of those movies and making his own spin, and they're more bombastic. They're going to make a hell of a lot more money. But they're also just a pale imitation of the first ones. Yeah, he didn't... Like, I mean, I'm kind of abusing a metaphor there, but still. Everything, I feel like, oh, I haven't seen The King of Comedy, but everything, it felt very similar to Taxi Driver, and everything Taxi Driver did was just better. So Taxi Driver had sense. an unreliable narrator, which this movie was clearly going for as well. It was. King of Comedy, like, doubled down on that. Like, okay. there are entire scenes that you don't realize until the end clearly only happened in Richard Pupkin's head, Richard mm -hmm. Pupkin being the uh, main character. And this movie does does that style of unreliable narrator, where, like, in Taxi Driver, there's one or two scenes where you can kind of question, did they happen or did they not? But whether yeah. they did or didn't doesn't really matter to the story. Yeah. Where with The King of Comedy, there's, like... Like, the scene... There's a scene in Joker where um, he's watching the Murray Franklin show, which is uh, Robert De Niro's character's show in this. Robert De Niro is basically like a Jimmy Kimmel, John Stewart, uh, Stephen Colbert talk show type host. Yeah. Uh, talk show host. And um, he's watching it, and he just imagines himself in the crowd, and then he walks down, and Murray, Murray Franklin... I think he laughs at a joke that no one else laughs at. Or no, he says, I love you, Murray, or something. Yeah, and Murray's like, turn on the lights. Let's take a look at that guy. Yeah. And he introduces himself. And Murray Franklin is really taken with him. And he comes down and he's like, I wish you were my son. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And that's actually a good scene. Yeah. But like, that's a lot more akin to the unreliable narrator t style of the King of Comedy. Yeah. It's almost taken straight out of it because there's one scene in the King of Comedy where he goes in to meet a talk show host uh, and he never gets an audience. But there's one scene where it's like, oh, he's, he's just gotten an audience. So he comes in and the guy's like, so I listened to your material and it's really good. I was just thinking, how can you be so good? and you're not even doing stand-up actively. Mm. You want to be a stand-up comedian, you're ready for the big times. We'll bring you into the big times. We're going to do this. How do you do it? Come out to my, uh, come out to my uh, farm and let's just brainstorm some stuff. Clearly that scene never happened, but the fact that that scene happens is incredibly important to the narrative because, like, in Richard Pupkin's mind, that happened, and he goes out to the farm and actually stalks this guy on his farm mm -hmm. because... You know, he invited him there, and he didn't, but, like, that that scene, we saw it happen. So, uh, Joker is sort of going for a lot closer to that, where there's scenes in this movie that probably didn't happen, and a couple that, like, are actually shown to have not happened, mm. that are a little, that are actually sort of important to the story. It doesn't fully commit to it the same way that the King of Comedy does, but, yeah. like, there are scenes in this movie that if they didn't happen it does sort of change the context of the scenes. That's fair. Well, I... Like, they, they didn't really leave that up to interpretation. Like, yeah, specifically yeah. with the talk show scene I'm thinking of, 
it's very clear that it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm trying to, like, describe, it's sort of halfway between Taxi Driver, where in Taxi Driver there's a couple of scenes that didn't happen, and if they didn't happen, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Where in The King of Comedy, there's scenes that didn't happen, and the fact that they happened matters, even though they didn't. Where in this, it's sort of halfway between, where it's like, it changes the context of some of the things he does next, but yeah. really the fact that those didn't matter doesn't change the movie. Like, it doesn't change his actions, it just ch- kind of changes the context a little bit. Yeah, okay. A little hard for me to describe what I'm trying to get at there, but I think that's kind of. sort of... <laughs> it's rough being so... Like, it's hard to not talk about those other movies when you that's talk about the Joker. Bi- yeah, that's the problem, is exactly that. Is This movie... I like... I, I want to stress that I like this movie, even though I hate movies in general and just hate other things that people enjoy mm-hmm. but like I do like this movie but it is very derivative in its writing yeah. I thought I guess I like it because it gets people talking yeah. it is, it is uh, like the thing is it is relatively a ballsy movie considering yeah. the current landscape of like m- higher budget cinema well and there's a lot of really ballsy moves in there too like the current controversy over this and i'm not going to get too too far into it but there's a scene where he's like he's just dressed up as the joker for the first time um because he's dressing up to go on a talk show and he's going down the stairs and like dancing on the stairs and he's dancing to gary glitter's uh rock and roll part one Mm -hmm. and gary glitter I believe in 2003 was convicted on charges of possession of child pornography, I think. So knowing that context, it's like, oh, cool. So what we're seeing here, so knowing that context, that scene to me is, all right, this is a very sick man that we're looking at here. Because I know that context. It's like, uh, I mean, it's not saying the Joker is a pedophile, but it's it's equating this character that up until now has had sort of a, in a weird way, a positive character arc. It's equating that with someone who in real life had a very negative character arc. And so we're like getting this, uh, we're getting this like, with that context, this scene suddenly becomes like, oh, we shouldn't be cheering this guy on. Yeah. Um, That's a current controversy because I mean, people noticed that, and they're like, wait a minute, you can't do this. But I think that, and I actually agree with the reasons that I've heard, which I'm not going to get too far into, but um, I think that that was artistically a really good choice, huh. just for that reason. Because if you know that context, it, I guess. Yeah. it's sort of an inside joke. I, I, never thought, I never thought of something like that before, like matching the music yeah. to like the... Or, like, the artist background. I don't know how intentional that bit was, and I don't know how that comes across to everyone that that watches it, because it's clearly, like, more... You have to know that context, which makes it sort of an inside joke. But um, it is... I thought I, I just thought that was an artistically really good choice. It might have been like they they, sh- they they shot the scene to the music, I believe. Yeah, that's the thing is like it was clearly intentional. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that people that people who were putting that together thought of it or thought of all the things I said, how much of that was like how much of their artistic choice was exactly what I said is the, is it's really hard to say. Yeah, that's yeah, hard to say. Yeah. What what were we talking about before we the Oh, I was saying. Oh, um, how ball it was! How ball it was a pretty was. ballsy movie. Yeah. I was surprised with the the whole him not being the Joker until like basically the last twenty minutes of it. Really? 
Yeah, I was, okay. I was kind of surprised by it. Well, considering, like, how much it's it's the Joker, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're getting a lot of people going in expecting to have the Joker the whole time. I um, may have been... Uh, so the trailers for this movie made me really think of a subplot. Um, honestly, the most important subplot in Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, which is mm-hmm. called One Bad Day, mm-hmm. which is just... The story, which is the origin story of the Joker, who is in that named, I believe, Arthur Fleck. Yeah. Um, and it's not one to one identical with this. It's actually very different in some key ways, but it's similar in like he's a comedian that's not very funny, and then like he just has one bad day and becomes the Joker. Yeah. And it is diff- It's it. That's clearly an inspiration for this. Kind of. It it didn't really, this wasn't really a one, it was more like a one bad life yeah, <laughs> situation. Yeah. His whole life kind of sucked. Um, but I could kind of see, like, there were a couple things in the second act towards the end that really, I could see, like, there were some big changes to yeah. his life that really cemented the fact that... Well, I think the the thing I noticed most about this movie when I was thinking back on it, and also the biggest difference from the one bad day story is that um, he doesn't, his his life, yeah, like you said, it's one bad life. Like, everything is going wrong. Mm-hmm. But at no point do things going wrong actually influence him that much, I didn't think. Because, like, um, gosh, how do I say this? So, like, it's not like this went wrong and then this went wrong and then this went wrong and now he's just had enough. There was no final straw in a way. Really the only thing that um, influenced his actions and like got him started on the path that eventually leads him to being the Joker is a guy sells him a gun and all of a sudden he has a means to do something about... Defending himself. Yeah, he has a means to defend himself and maybe go beyond. But like when he uh, does commit his first murder in this movie, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that happens, Um, when he does commit his first murder in this movie, it's completely without remorse. It's almost unprompted. Like, it's just because it's it's in self-defense. Well, like... Originally... Originally, it's in self-defense, and then it sort of gravitates from there into he straight-up hunts someone down. But, like... It's never, it's not really retaliation. It's not really him, even in, even inside, justifying his actions on, you know, these people have been bad to him, therefore it's time for him to be bad to them. Yeah. It's like, he just has the means to do something now, so he does. Mm-hmm. So, I think that... Um, yeah, I really noticed that because in in my opinion, this isn't the story of someone going bad. This is the story of someone having the means to finally do something and that particular something not obviously being a good thing, but he's just getting a tool. Well, like, that's the thing. It's like the tool, him, like, it, it's just kind of confusing because him shooting the guys basically kick-started his life of success. Yeah, this is really in a, in, a, in a weird way this is sort of a story of empowerment except that like, of like a very perverse story of yeah, empowerment. Yeah, it's like it's like it's almost supporting the idea of you should just kill people that threaten you or lie to you. But that's the thing is I don't think it does because he he does kill people he doesn't like or 
and that threaten him and lie to him, but like that's never really the reason. He's just sort of it's just like all right, this is the next person. That's not the reason he's killed. It's not always. Re- it's not really ever retaliation. Like in a way, his targets kind of are, but like. But I mean, like the retaliation, such as killing them, isn't always. You know, it's a very extreme type of retaliation. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, do we want to get into spoilers? I feel like we're. Yeah. Let me. Uh... Yeah, we're at about 20 minutes, okay. so uh, we're going to get into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen this movie um, and you don't want it spoiled for you... Uh, don't listen. Don't listen. Um, <laughs> actually, so we are, as of this point, officially, we're in spoilers. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about something that's not necessarily super spoilery. So sure. this is a little bit of a buffer, maybe. Okay. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. His performance in this is really, really good. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix in general is just really, really good. But uh, his performance, well, I mean, you you already said it. He carries this movie hard. Mm-hmm. Crap. I don't know oh, specifics I want to say on this. but uh, like, Oh, I was just really, like, I think his performance was better than, like, Robert De Niro's in Taxi Driver, at least. I don't know about yeah. King of Comedy. I would say that. He did really well. He really captured the... The vulnerability. I think I felt really bad for him the whole time. Yeah. Um, and you could tell even when he was like confident, like as the Joker, it wasn't like a, like an alpha male confidence. No, it was, it was more like a detached confidence. Yeah, like so slightly like, insane. Yeah, it's like all right. It, it it wasn't so much like, I can do anything. It's like I've got to do something. Yeah. So like. There's a scene, and I guess this is kind of spoilery, where he kills one of his ex-co-workers, yeah. and then he's done with that. And then he's like, hey, so I'm going to be on TV tonight to another one of his co-workers who's just sitting in the room and has just seen him murder a co-worker. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, so do you watch the Murray Franklin show? Because I'm going to be on the Murray Franklin show tonight. And he's just like, moves on to the next thing. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, I've now done this, on to the next thing. Yeah, well... It's not so much... It's almost not so much confidence, it's just like... Is pragmatism the right word? Like, it's just like, th- there's, I, I'm, I'm in a state where I'm currently doing nothing. I have to be working towards some goal, so let's work on that. Yeah, well, he didn't, he didn't really know, like, that's the big thing, is this Joker didn't really know what he was doing. He just kind of went along for the ride. Yeah. In a way. Um, but yeah, like, like, scenes where, like, I remember during the talk show scene, uh, where he, where he kills... Murray Franklin. Murray Franklin. Um, that whole scene, like, he feels in control of it and that he knows what he's... We know what he's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. But just the way he acted it out of... It looked... It felt like he was on the verge of, like, breaking down the whole time. Yeah. You know? Like, when he was, like, talking and, like, preaching about um, kind of classism and how people treat people like him, it wasn't like a... Like, he didn't get up and, like, just charismatically speak it was like he was like it was an outburst like a child yeah he, he had to like get out something he's been holding in for so long yeah um so i felt like confidence emanating from him but it was you could still see like the broken person underneath and i thought that was like a really cool way to try it out or to perform well it. speaking of that broken person you see that so much in in most of this performance, even when he's not necessarily confident, because like even when I, I, what I was talking about that that laugh, every time he laughs before the third act of the movie, mm-hmm. it's like 
he's clearly not laughing because he's enjoying himself or because he's finding something funny. Yeah. He's either laughing because he's basically crying and doesn't know what to do, or because he figures that laughing is the correct thing to do at that moment. Like, he goes to a comedy show, and he clearly doesn't get any of the jokes. But as soon as people start laughing, he's like, all right, it's time to laugh. And then he starts laughing after they all after they all finish. Well, so that's like it made it really uncomfortable. It made it extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. But you could also tell he just didn't get humor like everyone else. Yeah. Um, he laughed, like, he would, like, even listening, he would laugh at the wrong times. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then I remember, remember he was like writing down in his journal about like how to make people laugh. Yeah. Just the way he wrote it was very, um, you could just tell he didn't understand how people, he was trying to understand how people worked or how, yeah. like, how humor works. Yeah. Not just like jokes, but like, like, like he wrote down sex jokes usually get people to laugh. Yeah. And then I think there are other notes is like be confident or, um, have a loud voice and stuff, you know, like really basic things. Although, like... That he found fascinating. I do want to say, there were a lot of jokes told in this movie. Surprisingly, not as many as you'd think. But, mm-hmm. like, this movie involved comedians, so there were jokes told in this movie. And Joaquin Phoenix did have the best joke by far in the whole movie. Which one? At the very end, knock, knock, who's there? Yeah. It's the police, ma'am. Your, car, your son's just been run over by a car. He's dead. <laughs> that legit got a got a laugh out of me both times I saw this movie. Why? And like I don't get it got it. the whole theater laugh. It's just because it's so absurd. It's oh, like okay. so stupid, but also really funny. Dude, I was like really scared during that scene because I like at, at any time I thought he was just gonna either shoot himself or shoot the audience. Well, because shoot. like before that scene, he like practices killing himself. Yeah. So like. You're, you're not, that whole scene is very tense, because, yeah. like, you've seen him, we've seen him, like, practice for it, and basically he wants to go out with a bang, I guess, mm-hmm. and we know that he hates Murray Franklin, mm-hmm. even though he idolizes Murray Franklin, Yeah. and the entire time Dr. Sally is sitting there, like, not having <laughs> no <laughs> idea what's going on, <laughs> Dr. Sally is, like, the second best part of this movie, yeah. she's just sitting there the whole time. Uh, she's the guest who's on before Joker, and I think she's a sex therapist or something. Yeah. So she's on, she's and she does her whole thing, and then Joker comes out, and then, like, she has no idea what to expect from this guy. He comes out, immediately kisses her, and then sits down and just stares for a couple of minutes. So she's like, what is going on? And then he starts going on his whole tirade, and she's just scared shitless yeah. the entire time. <laughs> that was kind of cool to see them in the background, like, what do we do? Yeah. Especially after he shoots uh, Marie Franklin. Mm-hmm. Like, them in the background, it's like, like, honestly, what would you do in that situation? Because yeah. you're not going to, like, attack him or anything because he got a gun, but you also don't want to run because right. he has a gun. So you just kind of sit there awkwardly. <laughs> like, and also, really like, cool. I just want to say I hated Marie Franklin's outro on the Marie Franklin show. He's just like, and remember, that's life. And I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. And then his band plays That's Life, and yeah. it's like... Murray Franklin is clearly, so clearly, Todd Phillips does not like late night shows <laughs> because Murray Franklin yeah. is a pretty spot on parody of a late night show, yeah. but holy crap, is he insufferable. No, yeah, that's the thing. It, what but then, I, oh, sorry, just the last thing I was going to say is I love, though, that as soon as the Joker kills Murray Franklin, he goes up to the camera and gives Murray Franklin's outro yeah. before it cuts that's off. That's life. <laughs> um, what I found was 
interesting about Murray Franklin is that he did embody like a lot of elements of a talk show host that I see, but like in such a negative way. Yeah, yeah. He reminded me a lot of Jimmy Kimmel, where like, like a lot of talk show hosts, like they're they're made to be like really like overly friendly extremely and like extremely inoffensive. Yeah, extremely inoffensive. But then they'll sometimes say like kind of mean things. Jimmy Kimmel is like nowhere. the worst of them because Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel has he's got a pretty he's got a pretty uh, well known streak of just like hating on YouTubers and people who play video games. Yeah, and he's just like really mean to yeah. certain groups of people. Yeah. Yeah, and then sometimes he'll just, like, even when he's, like, interviewing someone, he'll just kind of say something kind of mean about, like, yeah. I remember, I think, I can't remember who, but there was a celebrity that plays, like, World of Warcraft, and then All he right. basically, like, called her, like, a loser for playing it, and it's, like, such a weird thing to say to, like, a guest, you know? Yeah, it's like, you don't have to be mean. Yeah, but he's, like, doing it for the laughs from the audience. Like, you notice that a lot with, like, Marie Franklin is that like because you never really see like behind the screen he was really nice to Joker yeah Um, and then in front of the screen like he shows the Joker's uh, he he shows a a clip from um, when the Joker does stand up comedy as Arthur Fleck yeah and he's just making fun of him the whole time yeah and he's getting laughs for it like you under it is kind of funny how he's making fun of him yeah like he's he's good at jokes Uh but it's also just super mean and that's eventually like the reason that Joker gives for killing him is like, why did you play my video? Yeah. Why did you just make fun of me? Yeah. That was a pretty eye-opening... Well, it just kind of... It was a good representation of, like, a general late-night talk show host. Because in the end, for him, it is about the laughs, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think he had a personal vendetta, obviously, against no, Arthur. No, I mean... But he, he did what he did to make himself look good, essentially. He, yeah, and, like... From how nice he was behind the screen, I think that at least part of him brought Arthur Fleck on the show because he wanted to give this guy a chance. Mm. He's like, "All right, I've given you like like I've put I've I've played your uh, I've played your video. I, you know, I feel kind of bad about it. And but like, one, it was great for the show, and two, you should come on and let's try and give you a chance. Let's try and help you work. Yeah. So like, to some degree." there was probably some good intention there because, I mean, we didn't see much of him behind the screen, but, yeah. like, on screen, he was really mean. He was. Well, yeah, like, behind, like he even, like, lets him dress up and make up. And yeah. He calls him Joker, like, he accepts that request. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember, I think he even said something mean to Dr. Sally. I don't remember what it was. It might have just been he said something to Dr. Sally that was mean to Joker. But, like, I believe he said something mean to Dr. Sally, too. Um, But also, I loved how he he was a very good representation. Actually, him him and Thomas Wayne really balance each other out. You have kind of two sides of, like... The upper same coin, class. which is no longer currency. Sorry, what? <laughs> nice reference. <laughs> uh, the because you have Thomas Wayne, who's like the stereotypical businessman, who um, I don't know, he works behind the scenes and he's like really corrupt. And you have Murray Frank, and he doesn't. I guess Thomas Wayne, he doesn't really care what people think of him. He's very blunt. And then you have Murray Franklin, who's the the talk show host, and he has to be really overly friendly and uh he kind of like the the visual image of the upper class yeah um 
So you have those two sides kind of, and they're, they're both taunting Arthur Fleck in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of really, and it was a great way of representing metaphorically how, how he is, well, first of all, how, how that type, how that section of society affected him, yeah. affected his life, and that Thomas Wayne, it sounds like he, it's possibly might have, like, messed up his mom in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Murray Franklin with just making fun of him, right, and not taking him seriously. And then him, basically, Arthur Fleck in the end, his actions caused the deaths of both of them. Yeah. Which was, like, so it's just, like, as a keeping it, for keeping the movie kind of small scale, even though it's, like, in the end he made a cultural revolution. Like, yeah. He directly affecting those two characters was, like, a good way of representing, like, how he is, like, overtaking the upper class. Right. Well, I think um, sort of with those with those three characters, I guess, all together, this movie is, I mean, it's pretty clear this movie is very much about classism and mm. like, and, and but uh, I was just thinking to compare again to Taxi Driver, it's very different in how it approaches classism because Taxi Driver isn't really about that, but it does sort of touch on that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, like Joker definitely sees himself as part of the lower class. He is, and he sees himself as that. Where in Taxi Driver, um, Travis Bickle, I think is his name, Travis Bickle uh, doesn't see himself as part of that because the one time where, like, the politician is in his taxi and he asks him, you know, what what would you like to see? What would what would you like to see from, uh, you know, a politician? And he says, clean up the trash in the streets. And he's clearly talking about, like, the lower class. And... Not that he is himself trash, but he's not really part of the upper class, but he clearly sees himself as comparable to them at, at the very least. Mm-hmm. So, like, it approaches classism in a different way where it's, it's there and they show it, but they don't really address it too much. Yeah. Where this one is, like, very on the nose about how it addresses that particular um, thing, which is not a bad thing. That's, I, I would say that's definitely a, that's a positive, or at the very least it's just something different between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just noticed that talking about that now. Um, hmm. yeah. That's cool. What else? Um. Oh, I like, do you, do you think Thomas Wayne was I, the dad? I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted. I want to say, I, I mean. No idea. I thought it was really cool how they kept it vague. Yeah, they kept it vague enough that, like, it could go either way. I would say after watching that movie... I lean more towards yes, mm. and it's mostly because of the picture at the end. With the Thomas Wayne yeah. on the back? Yeah. Yeah. And so I lean more towards yes, but, like, part of me mostly just wonders, like, how specific. Like, I think I think Thomas Wayne definitely had an affair with Arthur's mother. I don't know that Arthur is necessarily Thomas Wayne's son. That's fair. Yeah. Because I, de- because, I mean... Well, he might not even know either. He, yeah, exactly. But he like maybe just doesn't want to take the risk, obviously, because yeah. that would really suck for him. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to talk about so like, I've heard people in the past on other podcasts I've listened to talk about how we never need to see another uh, depiction of Batman's parents dying <laughs> ever again. Yeah. But I firmly disagree. Uh-huh. I love that scene every time it comes up. Um, and it came, it comes up again in this movie. There is a scene where 
they're leaving, uh, where the whole Wayne family is leaving a showing of Zorro the Gay Blade. And they go, and instead of, and they're on a major street, but instead of, like, going down that major street, they go down a back alley for some reason, and then a guy in a clown mask shows up and shoots Thomas Wayne after saying, uh, that he's gonna get what he deserves because actually clearly mirroring what Joker's just said on TV. Yeah. Um, then he shoots Martha Wayne. He pulls the pearls and the pearls scatter everywhere yeah. and they both fall down and they're left with a young Bruce Wayne standing in the alley. And I have just described every single time that scene has been put to, has been shown on television, on a movie, every time. And that's part of the reason I love it so much, is because uh, every depiction of that scene has to follow almost every single one of those details. Like, Thomas Wayne gets shot first, then Martha Wayne gets shot, then Martha Wayne's pearls fly all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, they've just left a showing of Zorro, either it's a movie or it's a play or it's something, but it's definitely Zorro. Um, and then at the very end, some rando comes in and does all of this. And then at the end of the day, he leaves and Bruce Wayne is left standing in the alley. Every single depiction of Bruce Wayne's parents getting murdered has to hit every single one of those details. And yet, every time it's been put to film, it's at least slightly different. Like in this movie, all of the context is different because it's in the context text of citywide riots. Mm. And the rando that uh, kills them is um, inspired by Joker. In, term, in Tim Burton's, uh, it's just, the, it's the difference is that it is the Joker. Yeah. Um, in Justice League, it's just, it's just a random thing. Like, there's no, uh, there's, there's no riots or anything. It's just Bruce Wayne is scared, so they leave and they go through the alley. Um, the main difference in Zack Snyder's version is that Thomas Wayne tries to defend himself which I took huge issue with Why? watching Batman versus Superman, mostly because, mostly because it's like changing a significant detail. Like Thomas Wayne not defending himself to me is important to um, like it is this whole scene is incredibly formative for young Bruce Wayne, and mm -hmm. like every single detail of this defines some aspect of Batman's personality later on and his modus operandi. Yeah. With Thomas Wayne uh, throwing a punch and trying to defend himself, what that foreshadows is a much more brutal Batman. Because, like, he's seen that someone can defend themselves and still get killed. Yeah. Where, like, so what he has to do is he's like, all right, now I have to do way more than like I have to go on the offensive. Well that works because it does that work Batman because for that Batman, violent. but I took it I took issue with it because I didn't notice until I put it into words right now that that is very specifically what that Batman does. Yeah. But anyway, like every single director puts their own spin on it and just in like a very slight way even though all of the details right down to a lot of the framing is identical. I wouldn't be surprised if if you took the frames of like if you took the frames of this scene and lined them up next to I don't know probably the first or second Batman comic like from 80 years ago I wouldn't be surprised if those frames are nearly identical because mm. like I mean I don't know if they are but 
right down to like Martha for for one thing like Martha Wayne's pearls flying everywhere it's always shown from what I can remember from like below he's um, they're both like it's it's always shown with the camera from basically the same angle from below the pearls fly off at the top of the screen like yeah even and, and then that scene of Bruce Wayne in the alley is fairly similar pretty much all the time like Everything about the, this is an extremely constrained scene, and somehow or another, every director still manages to do it differently without actually doing anything differently. Yeah. That's what I love about this scene. Well, it's just so iconic at this point. Exactly. It's, it's weird how I feel like the Spider Man, like Peter, Ben Parker dying, or Uncle Ben dying, it doesn't have the same. I think it's just like the emotion of that is just as poignant. Yeah. Poignant, but like, there's like the visuals of it. Because, yeah, you're right, like, it's happened very similarly mm -hmm. every time. It's really stuck. Where with Uncle Ben dying, the visuals... I mean, he's dying. So there's only so many ways you can be dying and yeah. still convey um, a message, which is yeah. what he has to do. But, like... It's more about the setup. It's more about the setup than the specific the actual, visuals. Like, yeah. the specifics of everything that happens. Yeah. Where with Batman, it is very much about every single one of those details. Or at the very least, at this point in time, you can't change those details anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, if Batman's parents died in a scuba accident, there would be riots. No one would watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> be kind of weird. It was a yeah. scuba accident. <laughs> yeah. And then it becomes Which I mean, like Waterman. it's not out of it's it's not out of the realms of possibility because they're incredibly like they're so rich that pro, that Batman basically funds the Justice League. Yeah. So true. they totally could do that. Could. It just wouldn't make any sense because no, at this always, point it's so grandfathered in. It's always outside a theater. Yeah. Everyone dies the same way. It's always playing Zorro. Yeah. That is, I like how they keep that consistent. It's yeah. Cool. Across what? How many times is he gonna be rebooted? Like. Five? Oh, gosh. Five at this point? Um, in movies. Yeah. you had Tim Burton. So there's Tim Burton. Christopher Nolan had that scene. Uh, Batman v. Superman. Batman v. Superman. So Zack Snyder. Joker had it. I wonder it. if the new Batman movie will have it. We'll see. Yeah, you don't know. That'd be, that'd it, be does, really it doesn't funny, need though. it, but I yeah. love it every time it's there. Yeah, like, I thought it, like, all the Batman stuff, I thought it'd be really tacked on, but... I feel like... It was pretty organic. No, yeah, it worked well, and I kind of liked how the Joker... Even though, like, this Joker will probably never meet Batman. No, it's um, unlikely. At least, like, not in a sense that they're going to be arch nemesis. Well, we won't get Robert Pattinson versus, uh, versus Joaquin that, Phoenix. No, definitely not that. Um, but I did like how... In this sense, like, the Joker and the Batman are intertwined in that the Joker kind of creates the Batman... And they're kind of almost possibly half-brothers, yeah. you know? Just kind of that duality still works for me. Oh, that was a nice touch, mm -hmm. even though I thought I'd hate it. I really, like, I remember seeing Thomas Wayne in, like, the trailers, and I was like, this this is probably going to be really ham-fisted and, like, Not really Not at all, actually. It, it worked really organically, mm -hmm. which, uh, yeah, Thomas, Ra Thomas Wayne running for mayor kind of makes sense because he's... Really, he's one of the three big families in in uh, in yeah. Gotham. Yeah. He's incredibly rich. Like, what are you gonna do at that point? You might as well run for him. Might as well. What was interesting though is he was a dick in this movie. Oh, he sucks. I don't think he's ever been depicted as like 
such an asshole. Honestly, the closest we've gotten to an asshole Thomas Wayne is in Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman, where he fights back. <laughs> and it's like, himself. that's not even him being an asshole, that's just him defending himself yeah, once. It's just him being slightly aggressive, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, And, like, that's a specific reading, too. Yeah. Like, you can watch that scene and not think Thomas Wayne is aggressive, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was just really surprising to see that after, like, I guess you never really delve into who Thomas and Martha Wayne are, other than, like, they're supposedly good people. There are some comics that get into it, and I think a video game gets into it. They get into it a bit with Batman Begins, too, where they, like, basically save the city through economics. That's the thing, is, generally speaking, Thomas Wayne is, is, like, depicted as a paragon of humanity. He's the best there is. Not always, but, like... Generally, he's a very, very good guy. Yeah, where in this, he's corrupt, really not stereotypical corrupt businessman. Yeah. doesn't care about like the lower classes. At minimum, he's corrupt in that he's at least open to corruption. Mm-hmm. We never see like him specifically getting bribed or bribing anyone or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But like, he definitely paid to have something about the yeah. about his relationship with Penny Fleck covered up what it could be is that maybe because we're seeing this from the joker's perspective Mm -hmm. for the first time or because usually we see thomas wayne from bruce's perspective of like you know he's already rich so he seems fine right but then from a lower class perspective you're probably gonna automatically like hate thomas wayne sure um, especially in this movie so maybe that's why they went for it and that they had to make him unlikable because the the lower class probably already hates him yeah and i guess that is sort of uh that is kind of a uh, an interesting theme about this, too, is that um, this is... Oh, gosh, I completely forgot the whole sentence I was going to say. But nice. basically, this is, um, this is the Batman story from the opposite side. Mm. Like, not just from the Joker, but Batman's, Batman's story is of a rich kid becoming really, really good and fighting for the poor people, but this yeah. is, like, from a poor person's point of view... Mm. The same kind of thing. Um, gosh, I hope that was what I was going to say. <laughs> Do you feel good? Do you feel like you got it off your chest? No. That's how I tell. <laughs> no? Never mind. Anyway. Um, um, but anyway, we're running up to the end of our time here. So uh, good. we'll, you know, end, end this story off the, the way we always do. Uh, Pierre, what's your favorite superhero movie? <laughs> uh, well, it's not the Joker. I'll tell you that. Would you say this was a superhero movie? Like, would you... I... Even a, I feel like saying it's a comic book movie would be tough to say. I mean, it's definitely a comic book movie. And I think it's fair to lump it in with superhero movies, yeah. but it's not super accurate. Like, no. it is very much more a... Uh, Artsy. Well, it's very much more... Like, it's it's a character study the same way kind of Logan was. Mm. Um, very different than Logan, but it's that same kind of, like... Let's take one character from the comics and really do a deep dive. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a lot of those in comic book movies. No. So um, I went and saw this movie twice. And after seeing it twice, like, it's not my favorite movie of the year or anything. But I did like it, and I do want to support more movies like this. Mm-hmm. Like, time for a Clayface movie, everyone. Come on. <laughs> Clayface actually be really Actually, silly. Clayface is... I, I say that... I say that as a joke, but also of all the Batman villains, Clayface would be a very good one. Yeah, and they don't not, really... Maybe not the best, but a really good one. Yeah. 
And they don't touch on him that much in, like, other media. Yeah. Like, he's never been in a movie or... Honestly, Clayface would be a great... Bat- would be a great movie to make specifically right now with all of, like, the controversies coming out of Hollywood because mm. Clayface is, an a- is a failed actor. Mm. So you can talk about the darker sides of Hollywood. You could, yeah. He'd be a cool... Well, would you do, like, a character study on him, or would you just make... I, I kind of just want to see him in a Batman movie, honestly. Yeah, I also want that, him but, like... Mr. Freeze. What I'm, I'm more saying that because, like, of all, the char- of all the Batman characters I'd want to see a character study on... It would be Clayface. It, it, it'd probably be Clayface, cool. at least right now. And I think that you could do that really well, where it's, like, partially Clay... Like, partially a character study of Clayface, and partially, like, a... Uh, a basically uh, satire or like teardown of Hollywood at the same time. Mm-hmm. Basically, let's get Quentin Tarantino's Clayface, please. Yeah, that <laughs> read my mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's definitely not my favorite superhero movie, but it was an interesting watch. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was a great movie in my opinion, but like I like watching movies that kind of, I, w- I will say it challenges your thinking. Yeah, for sure. So, if you like movies that do that, I recommend it. And especially if you haven't seen them already, I would definitely recommend, in the same breath as this movie, Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's super obvious where this movie gets its influences. And um, those are those. And those are very good movies. So, you should watch all of them, honestly. Yeah. Or maybe watch this first. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it more that way. That's what I'm saying. Is like, after you've watched this, go back and watch where Todd Phillips got his inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it works better that way because you'll just see, yeah. it's kind of in your head, you'll be like, oh, I like they did this. That's that the movie. thing, too, is when I was watching this, I'm like, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, other Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. I remember this. This is basically The Hangover. Yeah. And so, like, at that point, you know, I don't you you should go into this movie not intending to compare it to a bunch of yeah. stuff. Clear-headed. Clear your mind. Exactly. And enjoy Yeah. So that's it from us? Yeah, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next week for... Oh, what are we talking about? I think we're talking about Quentin Tarantino next week. We could could talk about the Breaking Bad movie, too. Ooh, we might. on Friday. Uh, We may have as many as three movies to talk about next week. We'll figure it out. Pretty exciting, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sounds good. So we'll talk to you guys then. Bye, everyone. Bye.